all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The medical information presented on Southern Remedy is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and should not be used for any diagnostic or treatment information. The information conveyed does not create any kind of patient-physician relationship. Please consult your health care provider before making any decisions about your specific medical condition. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and it's the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Butters, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, really does affect probably more than 15 million people in the U.S. today. Are you one of them? If you are, you may have a little bit of trouble with cognitive flexibility. So we'll talk about what cognitive flexibility is in a few moments. You know, there hasn't been much talk about that when we talk about ADHD, but it really is a big part of why those with ADHD often have some real difficulty in life, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So stay with me, and we'll talk about cognitive flexibility, how you can improve it, and perhaps how you can better understand those with ADHD and how they sometimes cause trouble for you and themselves and you don't always understand it. So even if you don't have it, I guarantee you that you are around someone who has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You know, it doesn't uh, go away. It typically gets better as adults, as as individuals age, and it's kind of one of those third, 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 about a third continue about at the same rate and the same level of difficulty that they had when they were a child. About third, get better, but not all the way better. And a third, learn how to adapt so that many times you don't even know that they have it. So as the brain matures, things do get better. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about executive function, and um, the, the way the show evolved, we talked more about what happens to executive function with traumatic brain injury. 
So individuals with ADHD have trouble with executive function, but they don't have a traumatic brain injury, okay? Those gone are those thoughts. Back in the old days, we used to think that ADHD was caused by minimal brain injury or minimal brain dysfunction. That those we know are not true. ADHD typically is a disorder that is more genetic and more related to the neurochemicals in your brain. But what you can see is individuals who have traumatic brain injury have trouble with executive function. So let me tell you what that is and how that differs a bit from cognitive flexibility so that you can stay with me as we move through this show to talk about what it is and what you can do. Okay, executive function. It is... um, basic, really important mental skills that help you process information, remember what you learned, make decisions, react to situations, and manage your time. Okay, that's executive function. So you can imagine people with executive function problems may have ADHD or they they may not. Okay, So cognitive flexibility, though, refers to the ability to switch between thinking about different things, um, like two different concepts, or how to think about multiple things sort of simultaneously. Okay, does that make sense? So scientists have really looked at this and how people are able to switch back and forth when they look at functional magnetic resonance scans they, that's imaging with MRIs okay and they they look at that and it does appear in the same areas where executive function happens in that front part of the brain remember we've talked about that a lot the prefrontal cortex and the frontal cortex that front part of the brain is the area where executive function happens well cognitive flexibility happens there but it also shifts to other areas of the brain and that help you process things and help you task switch okay so let me give you an example so maybe it'll bring it home to you about what that cognitive flexibility refers to. So if, say, I'm in the kitchen and um, I love to cook, and so I'm in the kitchen I'm browning onions for whatever I'm getting ready to do next, and I'm browning onions and somebody walks in the door or rings the doorbell, well, Cognitive flexibility means that I can go to the door, open the door, greet them, but know that I have to come back and finish stir-frying those onions, right? Because if I don't, if I don't, then what's going to happen? I'm going to burn something. Same thing, cognitive flexibility. I'm going to stay on the line of cooking. If you are boiling eggs and you set the timer... And then you go outside to go pull a few weeds or cut a few flowers or do whatever you're going to do outside. 
And then you get all enthralled in that task. And whoops, you come back in the house. The alarms, the fire alarm's going off, hopefully. You had one there. The eggs, the water's boiled all out of the pan, and you essentially have fried hard-boiled eggs. That's not having good cognitive flexibility. Okay, now all of us probably have had a time or so in our lives when we had difficulty with that. But when you have extreme difficulty with that, it can really cause problems in your life. For example, if you're at work and you're supposed to take care of a work project and you get distracted by another smaller project that doesn't have the same timeline on it, but you get all into the other project because somebody pulled you over to it and you didn't complete the project that your boss wanted you to complete expeditiously, right? And so now you're in trouble. Now you're not, even though you may be an awesome worker, If you aren't able to have the flexibility to go back and forth and the ability to know you need to shift back to the task at hand rather than stay on that new task, it can cause significant trouble. And as you would expect, kids have the same trouble with that in the classroom. And that is the part of ADHD that we often don't talk about Because we concentrate way too much on the movement a child has in school, the hyperactivity or the impulsivity, and we forget that the thing, yes, that can be bothersome, that fidgety behavior and all can be bothersome, but we forget that the thing, the issue that is the two big issues that are the most destructive are the difficulty with executive function and the difficulty with cognitive flexibility. Okay, now I'm going to mention something else. So the other issue that happens, not cognitive inflexibility or difficulty with cognitive flexibility can happen with age, and it often declines with age. So what happens is as we get older, there's more difficulty adapting to new situations so that executive function does indeed decline a bit, but the the lack of adaptability and the inability to be flexible to new situations, new environments, or the changes that are happening can can really cause issues for us. Okay, so I'm going to stop there, and I want to hear from you about your thoughts about cognitive flexibility. Do you think you have trouble with it, or do you know somebody who's had trouble with it? We're going to talk about some of the things that you can do to help it, too, as we move along in the show. All right, you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. And so, um, as I mentioned, cognitive flexibility does 
tend to diminish as we get older. But there's some things that we can do to help. And there's some tests that have been done that look at cognitive flexibility with aging. And, and actually, that difficulty with that is one of the early signs of dementia and, and difficulty. But before we get to that, I want to go on to our phones. Um, we have David in Horn Lake. Hi, David. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm nearly 67 years old, and my family has a history of uh, Parker's. My mother had Alzheimer's. My father had Parkinson's, and I had a sister that had multiple sclerosis. I'm mm-hmm. very concerned about neurological diseases being in my gene pool. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, uh, I don't know if it's normal aging or whatnot, but I find it very difficult to finish anything. I get sidetracked, easy to divert it. I got 500 projects <laughs> and just piles and whatnot. Uh, is there all time? I'm fixing to go make an appointment and get a wellness exam. Is there all timers test? And also they advertise on some of the TV and stuff these vitamin nutritional supplements is supposed to uh, so-called help your memory. Mm-hmm. Is that a farce or a placebo effect, or is there? A, or do you know? Of, or you? Well, I I don't know if you can recommend or whatnot. Uh, but uh, a, a vitamin or nutritional supplement. But is there a something you can do that maybe will help or protect your memory or brain? And also one more question. I like to donate my brain to science to see if maybe they can do uh, Alzheimer's research about the plaques and tangles and all that. Mm. So anyway, I'll shut up now and let you help me out. Wow. David, you brought up so, so many great things. And I'm going to start with your last thing first, and then I'll try to answer all your other questions that you had. Okay, first of all, uh, donating your your brain, your body to science is actually a lovely idea, and it really does help so much in knowing what's going on. So you can certainly contact the University of Mississippi Medical Center and talk to them about that. Um, so, all right, let's go backwards. You're, you, you really do sound like you have a strong family history of different neurologic disorders with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and, and also um, multiple sclerosis. Um, certainly, there does seem to be some genetic tendency in, in all of those, some more so than others. So... Are there tests? One question you had for Alzheimer's. There are some cognitive, some sort of thinking neurologic test that can be done by a psychologist, a neuropsychologist, sort of early on to see where you are. There are, you mentioned, some areas in the brain that show up with um, Alzheimer's, typically the, the plaques in the brain and, and the like. So many times if there are significant severe symptoms of something like Alzheimer's, then individuals do tend to, um, I mean, uh, physicians do tend to order studies to to look at that. So yes, there are some tests. Now your your question about 
your difficulty with uh, multitasking and not finishing things and getting distracted. My question to you, is this something brand new or is this something that has always been there, but it's gotten a little bit worse? Because the sort of the story is that if it's brand new, then it probably is a little bit more concerning if this is unless Instead of if you had had trouble with it, say, prior. When you were younger, you always had a little bit of trouble with those kind of symptoms, but it's just gotten worse. Because we know that, as I said earlier, that gets worse as we get older. So you do have to kind of work toward making sure it doesn't get any worse. And that is one thing that you can do is keeping your mind active, making sure you're exercising, making sure you're getting enough sleep and the like. The other thing you mentioned are supplements. Uh, There's so many supplements out there that are supposed to make us wonderful and think better and be healthier. But I will tell you there, there are a couple of things that perhaps show some help. Omega-3 fatty acids, if you don't, if you're not a fish eater, if you don't eat nuts, um, tree nuts, uh, almonds, and um, things such as that, walnuts, then you may want to think about taking a supplement. There are some fish, salmon and other tuna and other fish have high levels of omega-3. So those are supposed to be good for your brain and brain function. And then another thing, we know that zinc is helpful in paying attention, helping you pay attention. And an herb, ginseng, has been maybe some fairly decent studies show that it may help with concentration. Okay, I threw all those out there. There is a, a Prevagen. I know people have seen those commercials out there. I really, it would be wonderful if it was the the miracle drug, but I don't think it's the miracle drug. I tried to find a really good, and I'm not an aging expert. There are geriatric experts um, out in um, many medical communities. I know in the Jackson metropolitan area, we have the Mind Center at University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we've got a lot of really great geriatricians who are out there. So I know I'm throwing a lot of information out there, but it it is. I am so happy, back to you, David, that you are going in for your wellness check. And um, I would like to recommend that you come very clean and honest with your doc and let them know that you are a little bit concerned. And also, if you feel like you're being brushed off, push back a little bit and tell them that you would like to to know further just to make sure that you are reassured. Unless your doctor believes that you just have, you're, you're just doing perfectly. Well, let me throw one more sure. uh, uh, piece to the puzzle here. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't been to the doctor in over 10 years. I, I've, I've been, uh, uh, I guess, blessed by not having... Any kind of the only thing I've had done in the last ten years is I've got the COVID shot and went and got me a booster. Mm-hmm. So Good for you. Do you recommend uh, maybe some some areas of expertise that I may need to uh, really emphasize to be checked or something? 
Because see, my mom had Alzheimer's. She had it for over 10 years. Yeah. And she had it for years before we even knew she even had it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She used to tease all the time. Sometimes, some days I feel like I need to keep her. And I'm starting to I'm starting to, to, to have that same eerie, creepy feeling. Some days I think I need to keep her. I feel like a dog chasing his tail, and I don't know if I'm coming or going. And if I was smart enough to even catch my tail, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, you know, I will say I like that, David. That's a good analogy. I had a really good visual there of the dog. Um, well, first of all, let me just tell you that, that typically um, – it's a good sign to me that you're aware and and you are willing to talk about it because one of the traps that people often get into is is being afraid to say anything out loud and trying to hide it or being ashamed. And so to to make sure because there are some other medical issues, thyroid dysfunction is is one of those things or there could be a nutritional issue. Uh, many adults as we age have trouble with B vitamins. B12 can can be very instrumental in in helping with memory retention and the like. And so um, there are many other vitamins, too. So, yeah, I think I would mention if you haven't had any kind of blood work or anything like that in in a while, um, I would I would encourage you to just ask for the full blown wellness check. And and I would also recommend that you get into the habit of doing that once a year. That is how we catch things early and can prevent things. And even with something like dementia or Alzheimer's, there are some ways to to slow the progression at least. So I would, again, be upfront honest, tell them exactly what you, what is going on with you, and then um, allow the doctor to do the evaluation. And, you know, if they think you need to go see a neurologist, do that. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, after. Can I ask one more thing? Absolutely. You said a buzzword, and you blew that dog whistle, made my ears perk up. My sister that had multiple sclerosis also had to go see an endocrinologist, and had she had to have her thyroid taken out, and had to take thyroid supplements. Is thyroid problems is that hereditary too? Can be, depending Can be. on the type. So definitely want to get that checked too. Okay. All right. All right, thank you so much. You've been very helpful. Okay, David, thanks for your call. Yeah, let's stay on the phone. Um, John, hi. Hello. I've always kind of had a difficulty adjusting in new situations, I guess. Uh, a couple of years, uh, two years ago, I took a job as a hospice chaplain. I'm 68 or 69, and it didn't seem like I could do anything right. You know, I was there was computer stuff, and I'm not very computer literate. Uh, I think some of it is due to uh, growing up in an alcoholic family. It's too controlling and uh, difficult to accept in these situations. And I guess it, it wasn't a good fit. Uh, there were Confederate battle flags and Donald Trump signs everywhere. But anyway, uh, it changed to uh, from not-for-profit to for-profit. That also might have been a factor. But anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. That's all. Uh-huh. And so... Okay, you mentioned something that I have um, an area in which I've been interested in for a a very long time, John. Um, Families with alcohol um, problems, and you said an alcoholic family. You didn't say whether it was your mother, your father, or both. 
Um, it's actually the whole family, relatives on both sides, back for generations. Wow. So that's that's tough to live in for many reasons. And so that may be part of the the difficulty that you're having as an adult. And let me just say a couple of things about that. And, and I'm not implying you sound like an intelligent individual, but I will say that and I know some very bright individuals whose mothers were alcoholic, had problems with alcohol, definitely substance abuse during pregnancy. And when that happens, many times you come out with an individual who who looks okay and seems okay. One of the areas of the brain, though, that is affected by how high alcohol use during pregnancy is the prefrontal and frontal cortex and it can it can affect executive function to some degree and it can cause symptoms of ADHD and so that's one one area even if your mother during pregnancy did not drink a significant amount of alcohol but if you grew up in a home that was disorganized and many times those homes even though they seem chaotic they're inflexible so they don't teach a lot of flexibility and ability to move about from one one task happily to another and so that that could be part of it now I will say though you also mentioned something where you felt like you just weren't perhaps a good fit in an office and that that just happens sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that you're cognitively inflexible it may mean that it was just not the right job fit for you and so I I I wonder you mentioned that I don't the implication was that perhaps those individuals that you were working around and with um, were of a different political sway than you, and so perhaps it it was a little disruptive and didn't feel good, because that can it, impact your ability. It was actually most of the people I visited, other than the people in the office. Mm. Uh, as a hospice chaplain, we go from house to house, providing pastoral care to people who are dying. Mm. And in the past, supervisors have told me I've done good work with dying people. But at that time, I was working for organizations that are not for profit. But this organization is for profit, unlike, unfortunately, almost 99% of the uh, hospices now are for profit. You know, so huh. I think that might be an issue. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I imagine it sounds like maybe you're being a little hard on yourself about this, and and it may may just be a, a difficult area. You know, I will say that many individuals feel that these are hard times to work in because of the fact that there truly is inflexibility in general. It's my way or the highway. If you don't believe the way I do, then um, then you're not the right kind of person. And uh, I am sure that happened over the years, but it does seem that there is a lot of inflexibility out there that wasn't there before. Sure. 
I guess I shouldn't give myself a message that because that happened, I'm not a competent chaplain. I hear I hear what you're saying, but if you had heard that you were before and you knew that you did good work before, then perhaps what you're hearing is not the truth, but some sort right. of bias. And so you have to make yourself step through that, right? Sure, sure. Yes, ma'am. So do some introspection. I, you know, that's interesting. I just um, was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago about this very thing, that you have to remember that a person's opinion is a person's opinion. It is often not based in true fact or reality. And so what you have to do is do some introspection, make sure you're doing the best that you can do, and being the kind of person that you can be proud of. And then if it doesn't fit in somebody else's box, that's okay. Maybe you need to move away from them and decide that you need to to be work for or be there for someone else. We all know that, you know, all not-for-profits are not good. And all for profits are not bad. So, right. you know, I would, I would, you know, I think many, many institutions need good chaplains. So think about that. And yeah. I'm also a professional forester and a cyclist. So all that adds up, I guess. Good grief. Yeah, that's a lot. And Wow. Uh, so you're doing the right things. Uh, being right. outdoors and exercising are are wonderful things you can do. So focus on focus on that good. And I would certainly think about. I don't know. I know that job stability is a good thing. But if your job is not making you happy, then having a stable, unhappy job is not a good thing. So. All right, John. Thank you so much. Well, good luck. Thanks for calling. All righty. Um, let's stay on the phones. We have Sue in Beaumont. Hey, Sue. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for calling. Tell oh, us what you. your thoughts are. <laughs> well, I know a lady who, who has a multiple personality and something like the three faces of Eve or so. I don't, I don't know. She, she has a personality that's sweet and kind and loving and generous and then she had her alternate personality, which is totally different, just, you know, a, a witch from, you know, where. I, just a totally different person, and she has a name for that personality. But it's so tiresome to, you know, open door, and you never know what, what personality she's going to have. And if, what causes a person to be like that? I, I just, it puzzles me, it irritates me, but I don't have a handle it, you know. Hmm. What do you do? Yeah. Oh, so... I bet there are many people out there who who know individuals who who do that, whether it's truly a multi personality or whether it's just an individual who is moody. And if they're in a good mood, then you reap the benefits and if they are in a bad mood, then you get the punishment. And um so I will tell you whether she has some sort of multi-personality, which is, by the way, very rare, and it's a type of schizophrenia. But that, that, That's what I 
I, I finally came to the conclusion that, that this person must have schizophrenia, you know. Mm. Yeah, that now that is harder to deal with. And in in those cases, probably the best thing you can do if you're encountering an individual who is in a a negative mode is to leave, to turn around and say, I'll come back later and and not even interface with that. But what if they show up at your door? I mean, I, I, from from now on, I, I, I've just got to tell that person, don't, don't I, you know, I'm busy, don't come in or something, because it's hard to deal with that alternate personality. So tell tell me what you mean by alternate personality, if you will. Totally, uh, totally different from, from uh, just, uh, her, what I would like to call her normal personality is sweet and kind and loving and generous. And the other personality, in which she has a name for this, this personality, is totally, utterly different. Selfish, screaming, hollering, negative, just ugly. I mean, wow, and, yeah. Well, how do you deal with a person like that? What do you do? Well, if they come to the door, if that person comes to the door and is immediately belligerent, say. I don't have time for this. I need only positive in my life. Come back when you're in your alternate mood because I I can't tolerate that. And I close the door. And if she gets angry and bangs on the door, just leave the door closed because that is not something that you need to subject yourself to. Right. And and I think it's it's perfectly acceptable. You can say at the same time, you can say, I love you, I care about you, but I cannot be around you when you are like this. If you need help with something, let me know. But I cannot deal with your belligerent attitude. It's okay to say that out front. You know, we've talked on this show before about how, if you have an individual in your life who is regularly toxic and it's a toxic relationship that brings unhappiness and discord to you, then you need to let that relationship go. Even if it's a blood relative, you need to step away, step back from that relationship and let them know that it is not okay to treat you that way. And I think so many times, many of us are such loyal friends and family members and such caring people that it's hard to draw that line. But it really is an important thing to do because if you stay in toxic relationships and if you stay around individuals who continually put you under stress... Then, like we've talked about, it's bad for you. A little bit of that kind of stress is is okay, but if it's regular stress, then it's toxic and it's destructive to your mind and your body, not just your mental health, but your physical health. So, so Sue, that's what I would do. Is, is there any kind of medication that, that improves people like that or... I, I I sometimes wonder if this person has a brain tumor or or if it's all just strictly psychological or psychiatric or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to handle it, you know. Yeah. Well, those are those are good questions. So the answer is brain tumor can change a person's personality, but it's not 
it's not one of those things that goes on for a long time. So if this is somebody who's been the same through the years, then it's probably has nothing to do with a brain tumor or anything, but more to do with this personality, either disorder or um, mental health disorder. There are, now back to your other question about medications, yes, there are medications that can be mood stabilizers and can be helpful if if someone is really great sometimes but then goes off on these horrible ne- negative tangents that are what we would call unprovoked, many times you can get stabilization of those moods from some medications. Typically, the atypical antipsychotics is what we call them, what is called, they're related in uh, pharmaceutical terms. And so... Um, There are. And if you can catch your friend at a good moment and talk to her and tell her that you're concerned and you love her, and it might be good if she seeks some professional help so that she doesn't have this, quote, alternate personality, um, it would be good. She needs, it sounds like she needs to see a psychiatrist. That's what I tell her all the time. Please go see a psychiatrist and, and, Maybe you get some help like that. Because, right, right. Well, thank you for your advice, and and I appreciate your advice. And listen to you talk about it. I thank you. You are so welcome, Sue. Thank you for calling in. Today we're talking about ADHD, cognitive flexibility, executive function. Many, many of those overlap greatly, and they aren't all the same, Um, but we do know that most individuals with ADHD, in fact all, have some problems with cognitive flexibility and certainly some with executive function. We're going to go on back to the phones. We have Hayden in Oxford. Hi, Hayden. Hi, I am calling because I think I called the last time you were discussing this, but I was at the end of the episode. Anyway, I am 28 years old. I was diagnosed with ADD with a touch of ADHD in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went through the rigmarole, uh, tried every medicine possible, trying to find the one that best suited me. Just did not love the side effects. Um, that are commonly known with that medication, mm-hmm. ended up go- going into sort of like a counseling um, sessions that taught me just good, um, you know, things like making lists and, and 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 just sort of life hacks, if you will, for people with ADHD right. to, to help them. And I, I found a, a way through um, not having to use those medications and I liked that and I've been pretty good for a while without those um, but it seems like I'm slipping back into it mm-hmm. and I wondered if it might have to do with hormones that it feels like I'm slipping back into it because mm-hmm. it definitely feels like there's something going there as well I just um, you know we talk about medications and everything else but I feel like um Hormones and, you know, environmental factors and things can also play into these issues. I was wondering if you have any take on that. Yeah, yeah. Hayden, do you mind me asking you how old you are? I'm I'm just 28. I am 28. 28. Yeah. 
So, um, okay, the answer is yes. Hormonal changes can cause problems with, gosh, um, so so many things, um, and it, it can alter mood. Hormonal changes can alter mood. You know, during your menses, uh, either for some people, even two weeks prior, uh, can you can have hormonal changes that that can change your ability to concentrate because of the change in mood, the way you feel, uh, so many different things that can happen. And and even at your young age, uh, it, it certainly, and in fact, not even at, but because of sometimes there, there are some hormonal changes going on then, and there's some stability as you get older sometimes. Uh, and then when you get around menopause, hormonal changes again can cause some significant problems. So, so yes, it can. Um, I'm glad you were able to be able to control your symptoms of ADHD enough with the behavioral management. And certainly that is something that most individuals now recommend. You know, medicines can help. They can be an adjunct. For most, they're not a cure. So that behavioral cognitive therapy can can really make a huge difference in your ability to, to function. So you said you were backsliding. May I ask where, in what areas do you feel like things are kind of not where they should be? Um, it's, you know, loss for words, um, just obviously getting distracted by things more easily, Mm -hmm. um, catching myself going down those, um, where you lose time. Kind of those rabbit holes, yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I definitely feel, the reason I link it to my hormones is because, um, during my cycle, right before, you know, um, it begins, I can definitely tell my life sort of falls apart. You can physically mm-hmm. see it in my house where mm-hmm. things just sort of go to the wayside. Um, and I can see that. Yeah. It's just, it's just whenever it's so tied to things like your emotions and your feelings in the moment, it's really hard to use behavioral management skills because mm-hmm. um, you feel less motivated. Yep. So it's, it's, it's just difficult. Yeah. So... Honestly, this is something that so many women struggle with, and and I will say that um, it it might be worthwhile talking to your gynecologist because sometimes a very low dose of uh, SSRI, um, not an ADHD medicine, but a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, those medicines are Celexa, Lexapro, something like that, um, Zoloft. Um, those are medicines that sometimes can help with what you're describing, sort of that PMS kind of stuff that can can be so difficult. Let me tell you some other things that can be helpful. Um, many times uh, fluid retention is one of those issues. So adapting a low, low salt, low um, simple carb diet. 
sometimes is very good, increasing the amount of exercise. And then I'll say something, too, in young 20s, um, so many times one thing you forget about is sleep. And sleep often is um, there's not enough. Um, I think so many times in your 20s you're trying to get by with six hours of sleep when in reality you need eight and so to regroup about that and then diet um making sure i don't know if you were listening to the early we you were able to listen to the early part of the show but we were talking about um some of the dietary manipulations that you can do to help, like a diet high in omega-3 fatty acids, um, fish that contain high levels of uh, omega-3, or nuts, tree nuts, almonds, uh, cashews, walnuts, uh, great, great supplements. And then zinc, making sure you get enough zinc in your diet, or if not, a supplement and your B vitamins. So all of that to say there's some things that you can do. And then I did mm-hmm. mention the the herb ginseng. I was reading some recent study that said it may be helpful and is probably not harmful. We always say check with your physician to make sure they don't have any reasons that they think you shouldn't take anything, Yeah, you know, as I'm mentioning it. But yeah, does that no, help? all great? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I just wanted to talk about, I guess, a more holistic view. Mm-hmm. And like you said, ginseng and things like that. Those are great. It's um, you know, it's just we all need to practice awareness. And I've just realized that I've backslided, and I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I'm so glad you called because it let me talk through a few other things. And uh, maybe we gave some information to others who were listening. So thanks for that call, Hayden. I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Good luck. Okay. In the last 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you quickly about a couple of things that you can do to help your cognitive flexibility that maybe I haven't already talked about. Do something that you know how to do, but do it differently. Change the way you do it. Get out of the road of doing things. Often that is helpful with um, getting you to be more flexible. The other thing is consciously pursue something new. Make yourself try something that you've never done, like painting or drawing. And then finally, meet new people. Keep keep new people in your life. Make sure that you are constantly learning about new, okay? Well, I hope that helped. I want to thank everybody, all of our callers and our listeners today. It was so good. And if you want to hear this show in its entirety again, please go to uh, your favorite podcast app and go to mpbonline.org and listen to to this and then i want to also thank our our person at the board our producer engineer jermaine flood the and our call screener charles arnold as always does a great job i'm dr susan buttress and i hope you'll join us next tuesday for relatively speaking and stay tuned for here and now coming up next on mpb think radio this is an mpb think radio podcast 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.